We're back. Yes, we are. We're here. It's good to be here. It's November. It is it ever. Man, it like, has flown by and here we kind are. Kind of. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I've like I have noticed every day more. Like I'm mm-hmm. maybe I'm more centered. Like I'm really like yeah. paying attention to the moments. Mm-hmm. Um but then yes, it's this weird like but it's also November? Like, what? Yeah, I haven't bought <laughs> a single happened? Christmas present. Yeah, no, well, yeah. So Caroline and I were talking about this this morning. And it was like, we probably should start doing this Christmas present shopping mm-hmm. piece of life. And uh, just realizing that somehow that's here. And oh, like, man, yeah. Like, you know, my youngest son's birthday is next week, oh, which geez. is the middle of the month, which is next week. Like, how did that happen? You know, it's just uh, like, what yeah. is going on? You said um, Although... I'm excited to see what 2021 brings at this point because 2020 has been, it's been a thing. <laughs> it's, I would say interesting, but that's being too nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but it's also weird because like most of the time we kind of go into this time of year as like a pause refresh before oh, yeah. we know we're going to hit it really hard next year. Yep. yep. And like still not being able to plan anything is weird. Yeah. So Very weird. Yeah. Like as I try to think about what next year looks like, I'm like, I don't, I don't, no, you mm-hmm. know, like normally what I kind of do in the upcoming month is playing, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I still feel like my hands are tied, so yeah, I, yeah, whatever. But, um, whatever does happen, it will mm-hmm. continue to be interesting, yeah, we'll continue to have amazing guests, yes. Um, you know what people say, like, it can only mm-hmm. go up from here, <laughs> so <laughs> yes, so yep, up, um, that's what I'm living by, up in a way, yeah, uh, yeah, so. But thanks for sticking with us this year. Yes. Um, we were just discussing uh, doing like, you know, we kind of the last show of the year is just mm-hmm. us sitting around and chatting. And I, mm-hmm. I think this year it may just be you and me sitting around chatting because mm-hmm. it's kind of just been us. And um, I'm actually really looking forward to that show for yeah. some reason because yeah. Yeah. I feel like I haven't just sat and talked to you. No, same. This, yeah. Like we haven't seen each other this year. Right. And so oddly, there may be a lot to catch up on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think so too. It is uh, is it is more refreshing doing these like face to face, yeah, socially distant, but face to face, so to speak. Yep. You know, so Agreed. it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be good. So uh, we have done a couple interviews in person. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is not. It's still a remote mm-hmm. interview, and there is a part in here where my audio for you guys drops out, but is still kind of existing on my side, so whatever. I just left it. Um, <laughs> but but what has mm-hmm. been really cool about this year has been the opportunity to interview people that would be very difficult for us to get time with, yes. or travel costs mm-hmm. are prohibitive, or those types of things. Mm-hmm. Jimmy DeResta you know, yeah. comes to mind as like, yep. I don't think that would have happened this year any other way. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, but then, you know, a a good friend of mine lives in Chicago and has mm-hmm. for a period of time. And obviously his name's on the title. Joey's lived in Chicago for, for quite some time. And, uh, and he's a recording engineer, you know, like at the heart and soul of it. And, and he's gotten to work with really cool people mm-hmm. and um, he's very good at what he does. And he had, we say that he'd, you know, he'd been on the list for a while and he really had, but just the timing of getting to Chicago, can you line Mm -hmm. up some other people that you can interview while you're there and kind of really get the most bang for Mm -hmm. your buck? And, you know, so it always sat as like a back burner possibility. Yeah. Um, we, we caught him. I didn't know this. (laughs) We caught him at the end of having recorded a band for like almost nonstop the last like 48 hours or Mm -hmm. I don't remember what the time period is. And, uh, 
so you know joey's tired yep. he's in yep. like somebody's living room um mm-hmm. after this day of recording <laughs> i think he's doing laundry at one i can point. hear a dryer yeah. yes um <laughs> so you know uh yeah, but I just want to thank Joey for taking yes. the time to sit down and chat with us because it really mm-hmm. was also kind of a, a bit of a last minute the way everything came together for both of us just yeah. our schedules. Yeah. yeah, and uh, so and I I adore Joey. He's mm-hmm. truly one of my favorite human beings on the planet, and I've known him for a, a very long time. And I just he's a genuinely generous human being in heart and mind, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. um. So it was just fun to kind of catch up with him and just just chat with him um uh, and and talk about music opinion, I guess is where this one ends up going a little <laughs> bit, right? Like just kind of opinions about recording and mm-hmm. um some interesting anecdotal stuff from the recording world. Mm-hmm. But it was fun. I really yeah. enjoyed it. So without further ado, uh, ado, ado, without Female further deer. ado, uh I do want to say <laughs> without further I do want to say. Yeah, yeah. I do want to say we are members of the Voice Press Network. Yes, we are. And you should definitely go check out the <laughs> other shows on the Voice Press Network. Yes. Because there's some cool great. stuff. And, and they're so finely curated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Adoptive Mom's been doing like uh, uh, a series on what's Enneagram. So, mm-hmm. like, I think the whole season is just wow. Enneagrams. Um, hmm. it, but it's cool, right? Yep. Like, like yep. to kind of do this like series, we should do a series sometime. I don't know what our series would be on. I don't know either. Yeah. Oh. <gasps> I have an idea for what we can do next year. Our super mm. secret plan from a couple years ago, we could bring it back. Okay. I'll re-inform you because I feel like you don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Give me a minute. Um, yeah. You know what? I think last time we made people wait for Patreons, and I know yeah. this is kind of drug on after I said it should be a short intro, <laughs> but let's thank our Patreons. Because yes, we should. You are the people that make this show happen. Mm-hmm. We need your support. We if do. you can afford a dollar or five dollars, um, um my wife is on the verge of kicking our show out of the house. We need yep. a place to go and yeah. your money gives us that place to go. <laughs> so if you can give us some money so we can get a studio, it doesn't take much. I've been shopping around, mm-hmm. um, throw a dollar our way, throw $5 our way if you feel like it. And, uh, uh we would greatly appreciate it. Yes, so we go would. to patreon.com forward slash look what I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, get into that generous holiday giving spirit help keep this world of ours going round yes yes very tiny world but we appreciate it is it. a tiny world but. <laughs> okay but let's thank let's thank some of our p- top patrons because Ooh. these people do keep us on the air like, they do um they they pay our bills as they stand today for sure so thank you saria chelsea shelly brian travis tyler jeremy Lindsay, jesse kathy holly cindy allison and brian thank you you yes. guys rock from the bottom of our heart, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, so now, without further ado, Joey Pepin. Enjoy. I still spend We're 10 at minutes it. trying to make yeah. sure like the little, the very beginning actually lines <laughs> up. All right, so here, how about, you know. Yeah, the problem is that doesn't actually show up over here or on errands. We tried that so many. Like now we try to like three, two, one, and then clap simultaneously. Like <laughs> because at least visually it gets me like kind of close, and then I just have sure. to figure out like yeah. you know half a second off of each other or something. Sure. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So you recorded an entire album today? No, not today. Um, we recorded an entire album live over two and a half days a couple weeks ago and then um wow today or over this 
last couple days here, we have done all the vocals over two and a half days again. Um, well, that's cool. So which, you recorded the band live for music and then went back and redid the vocals over... Yeah, absolutely correct. Um, like yeah. recorded live shows or just recorded the band live in one room? Recorded live in one room. It's actually a really interesting... Uh, and super cool experience. Uh, the band has not played together. They haven't played a show together since 2014. Um, and wow. they hadn't been together in almost a year uh, because of COVID. Uh, they were supposed to be on tour right mm -hmm. now. Um, but, oh. you know, something something came up. Um, you know, so I don't, I don't know why no one can tour mm -hmm. at the moment. I can't is figure that a, one. Is this a band we know or a band that we can talk about or no? <laughs> I don't know if I should talk about what band it is. Cool. Um, I'm just in my head. I'm going to imagine awesome things. <laughs> oh, you should. It's it's awesome. I'm in disbelief that I'm working with these guys right now. That's really cool. That's yeah. cool. Uh, okay, so let's start with who you are and what you do. Even though at this point, I think we've kind of laid the groundwork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Mm. My name is Joseph Pevin, and I am a recording engineer and music producer. Um. So that's what I do. I make music. I work on music. I work in the technical side of things. I uh, run studios and, and do all things related to music, I'd say. I do repairs as well. I rebuild synthesizers in my free time, um, which when I say I rebuild synthesizers, that just means I have a room in my house full of broken keyboards that <laughs> made... <laughs> One day, maybe, they will uh, come back to life. Um, sort of like, I'm a woodworker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you, like, live and breathe music. I get, Yeah, I guess so. And have for a long time. Yeah. I mean... How did, how did you get into the recording side, though? Because you were in a band, like, a long time ago. Oh, into the, I got into the recording... Yeah, I got into into the recording side when I was in a young band uh, back in high school and we recorded a couple albums um, and I just remember like the second album we did we were down in the studio and I just immediately felt at home I was like this is where I'm supposed to be is in the recording studio and awesome. that was sort of a big turning point you know, for me, making that album with our band, that was a big turning point for me because then I, I sort of shifted uh, what I was studying in college to go into and study recording and uh, music. Um, before that, I had sort of bounced around between film or journalism or art or whatever. I just, I didn't know. And then I got, like, like I said, that I had a moment in the studio. I'm like, this is, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. So, and I can't imagine doing anything else. Were were you engineering at when you were recording that, or were you guys at like a studio and you were just kind of watching it happen? Oh, we were at a studio. I I didn't know anything about engineering at that point. Um, gotcha. I kind of wanted. I was kind of curious and had dabbled just a little bit with what are free programs I could find, but um, it was you know really that point. I was like, here, you know, I want to like I just want to be here all the time. So. I want to be driving this weird spaceship thing. Did recording, like, did you start by doing stuff for your band or, like, other local bands? Or did you start by kind of, like, just in your room, like, learning how to 
record yourself, basically? Um, in my room, and then working with the my band, uh, we did a couple little demo sorts of things. I never really figured out how to make it work right, you know? Um, this was in, you know, this is past the times of cassette, you know, four-track cassettes and into computer right. DAWs and stuff, and it's like, <laughs> never really figured out how to make the DAWs work properly but you know we tried anyway um so yeah and then you're faced with like there's that period of time where recording equipment becomes uh attainable like more attainable right like i mean pre-2000 or even early 2000s it's just so expensive mm -hmm. it's difficult to acquire equipment but i think like you know people are able to get macbooks and garage band and like an okay mic or something um but then the next issue becomes space, right? Like there, you still have this issue with capturing good sound for certain things. Um, how, like, how did you work around that? I mean, on it, like one time you came over to my house, I like when I lived oh, in yeah. that little one, right? Oh, like with yeah. the greatest stuff. And we just <laughs> set up in the living room and you just like started recording stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I mean, I, like, I forgot about how that. Did, I totally forgot about that. I like that recording a lot, actually, um, because <laughs> you could hear crickets and things coming through. Like, yeah, coming through <laughs> we were like, well, there was a raccoon living in the ceiling of this one bedroom lock cabin I lived yeah, in. Yeah, he, he had a great solo, too. Yeah. Uh, no, but like, I mean, there you're kind of combating like people's idea of a polished record and what that should sound like and then what you're actually able to capture. Like, how did you work? around that or did you just kind of lean into this is what i have and we're just going to make it work you the only thing you can do is lean into what you have you i mean you have two choices you lean into what is presented to you or you fake it completely with yeah. uh with dr samples and uh guitar modelers and uh whatever software you can out there um or you just hey this is what you, what i have to work with and i much rather prefer working with what I have. Um, right. hmm. I, I like to think, um, and this is sort of a Steve Albini mentality, but like uh, a recording is sort of capturing a moment in time. Um, yeah. You know, he, he is known for saying, oh, I'm just here to capture the band. I'm not here to produce and, you know, put my influence on it. Um, and I really appreciate that. Um, I like that uh, way of working. I like that mentality of, you know, capture this thing in this moment. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective because I, I like I've always known you as kind of a, a more or less a one man operation, right? Like, right. Um, and I think uh, that when I think of that, I think of a person trying to juggle like kind of producer, kind of engineer, like definitely engineer, kind of producing a little. Um, do you do you kind of pull back from the producing side of it and really just try to capture that sound? Like, yeah. Um I do. I, I, my focus goes more to the engineering side, really. Um, when we're recording, my focus is on um, timing. Well, first off, making sure it sounds good, but then, you know, timing and, uh, and, and tone, like doing vocals, like cool, just making sure like everything is um, technically correct um, and less um, trying to find you know, I guess the right emotion or whatever. Uh, and, and, you know, people have different, very different um, ways of 
uh, going about that, producing something, yeah. Yeah. Well, it kind of has this really nebulous language, too, right? Like, make it more blue. <laughs> right. Bring out the orange more. It needs to be crunchy. It's like, I don't I don't know what you mean. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, one one uh, thing, you know, producers uh, that I like and appreciate that they can do. So I'm just going to make sure that I'm not clipping my mic here behind you. Um, that would be bad. You don't clip the microphone. Step one. Yeah. I feel like that's an engineering 101. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't. I mean, don't worry. I break that rule regularly. Oh, but. okay. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah. Red is bad. That's my, my first tip for the evening is red. Oh, is... Okay. gotcha. Uh, what were we talking gotcha. about? Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about producing its own language. Oh. Um, some producers, and I, I'm trying to work in this way more and more, um, are very, very good about pulling out the emotion um, of a performance. And, mm. uh, you know, I think that's where you get really stellar, top-notch recordings and things, uh, is by being able to focus on the emotion. And, um, you know, if you could, if you have a singer that can, you know, get to that point where you're only dealing with the emotion it takes, uh, that's fantastic. But, you know, the realities are most singers, you know, you're, you're dealing with a number of other issues first before worrying about emotion yeah you know make sure that they're sober and can remember their lyrics first off <laughs> it's always important <laughs> yeah uh yep. yeah like so i went into a studio for the first time in a long long time why didn't you um, call me because <laughs> you're in Chicago and there's this thing going well actually you're in Cincinnati which I'm pretty sure is farther away and the it, this is getting really awkward um and yeah, so not for yeah, me no, yeah not for me so Go for it. anyway yeah. I had this I, I had this idea kind of kicking around it was COVID I was bored an old bandmate Chris Valines who you may or may not remember has his yeah. recording studio yeah. and he was doing like a re- an unbelievably cheap deal. I mean, four hours was like a hundred bucks, oh, right? Yeah. And uh, so cheaper than driving to Chicago. No offense. And so we just kind of. <laughs> we, we, but I just called a couple friends and we just went into the studio and we just kind of laid down this idea for a song. Just took like a couple different, uh, you know, takes of stuff and then sent it all back to my house and I started kind of like messing with the the mix or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. it it was interesting to watch like. Somebody that, as a bandmate, I didn't know as uh, much of a cheerleader, right? Because you're always fighting for, like, your idea to kind of stick mm-hmm. and rise to the top or whatever. Right. And he really had learned to lean into this, like, um, I don't want to say cheerleader, but, like, positivity coach. It sounds a little new agey, but, you know, it was just very, like, hey, that was a great take. And you're kind of building this... Um, Mm-hmm. Because the third, the the tenth take of something is defeating, right? Like, right. like why right. am I doing this this many times? Right. And so I feel right. like no matter yeah. who you are, as an engineer or a producer, you sort of have to lean into this like empathy mm-hmm. bucket a mm-hmm. little bit. Like, absolutely. Um, is that's is that a muscle you think you've always had, or is that something that you've had to learn to kind of like build? I've learned that. Um, and- very it's interesting being in the studio with musicians um you get a lot of very big egos and a lot of big insecurity uh as well and so a big part of being an engineer slash producer which i guess that would be my title um is managing egos and attitudes and uh keeping uh 
keeping all the musicians and players sort of in the right headspace. Like that's super important is to keep everyone in the right headspace. Um, yeah, yeah. So you you have to learn to find good and you know encourage people all the time. Um, you have to you know learn how to how, how to hey don't worry about that you know that we had a great verse there you know uh hey that was an awesome awesome end of the course um you know when like don't worry like hey whatever like you hit a foul note it doesn't matter you know um yeah it's it's interesting you know people like will sing live a lot and um they'll be fine with it you know but then in the studio everything's under a microscope so you're looking at oh, yeah. every oh, single syllable. <laughs> nowhere to hide yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah it's um you you're very multi-genre um just based on our conversations like uh you you do a decent amount of hip-hop work you do um i know that you came kind of out of more of like a four-piece style rock band type mm -hmm. background right like right um it, are there play like I feel like the music industry is starting to kind of like uh, blend this like sampled versus rock mentality kind of thing. Like, it, has that background been useful to you? Of like when I think of somebody like Billie Eilish, who's like ostensibly doing rock kind of, but it's like extremely you know sampled, found sound kind of stuff sometimes too. Um, masquerading as a four piece rock band in some ways. Mm. You can disagree with that. <laughs> well, well, what about Twenty One Pilots? There might be a better example. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'm gonna level with you. I am unfamiliar with Twenty One Pilots. Um, <laughs> That's, I, that I really hurts me on the, the inside. Billy Eilish hits and what's that? I said that really hurts me on the inside. Sorry, bud. That's uh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is, is um, how is like the the rap? And uh, like beat-driven production background, yeah, those things like cross-pollinate each other sometimes for you as you're engineering or producing. Like, hey, this sound is really cool. I'm gonna bring that over. I, you think about like T-Bone Burnett. Do yeah. you know? Like, are you familiar with him as a producer? Yeah. Um, he has this really like driving bassy bottom end that you don't typically hear in like outlaw country style music. I feel mm -hmm. like, and he so to me he like brought this kind of like oomphy uh, not like uh, i would describe as like an urban like bassy beat into yeah. kind of this classic outlaw outlaw country sound um and that's what i'm getting at is like do you as a producer having that history of like multiple genres sometimes say like oh this soundscape could be borrowed from here make something else sound kind of unique and different that was a really long way around to that. Uh, and you also broke up <laughs> part part way through. No. There. So, uh, sorry, I only got like half the question there. Uh, but hold on, what I can't uh, did you freeze up on me? Now he's frozen. Now he froze up. up. <laughs> hold on. It's like twice yeah. now. Yeah. Hold on. Wait, am I back? Oh, I'm going to get off my Wi-Fi because I think my kids are killing it. So hold on one second. Yeah. <sighs> are we better? I think so. Yep. Okay. 
the FaceTime box was like right over the Wi-Fi on off <laughs> switch. And I was like, how do I move this around my phone? <laughs> oh, I just touch it and slide it. Yeah. Sorry, uh, my kids are probably killing us with uh, streaming and Roblox. Uh, <laughs> briefly to recap, like just blending, like do you ever use the soundscape of one genre yeah. and kind of like use that to fuel something that sounds kind of different and unique in another genre? Um, I can't think of a time when I consciously um, made an effort like that, but I think that sort of thing is translating more in the way people write music, um, mm. you know, where, you know, rap is influencing rock and countries influencing rap and, um, and mm. everything is melding and people are taking ideas from everywhere. Um, I think you can, de I mean, like, like T-Bone Burnett was, de is definitely mixing, uh, re you know, more bass heavy, like, uh, like you would find in urban music, um, like the, the big deep low bass stuff. Um, and that's definitely influenced from, you know, what is popular out there right now. Um, but I don't know, it, it's hard to say, you know, everything does influence each other, but I couldn't really say if I'm consciously doing that i guess no uh, yeah I well i mean you bring up a good because i think of stuff from like a songwriter perspective and yeah. i think you bring up a really good point like we're probably bringing it to you already kind of influenced and shaped a sure. little bit and you're just kind of capturing it back to your earlier point sure um yeah definitely and that sort of thing and I mean, like i said really like i'm gonna do what i feel the music is like pushing me towards what is directing me to do so um if it's something that really calls for that big low boomy bass or uh i don't know what are some other tropes out there um that's probably that's probably the easiest one but yeah so i i feel like found sound and then manipulating it has become very popular recently as well yeah i mean cool i'm into that i'm super into that you know yeah throwing that back to like uh, music concrete was that that was all found sound stuff right am i about to sound Ooh. never mind just edit that part out i think music music <laughs> concrete was uh like a style of music <laughs> and i believe it was found sound and natural sounds and, oh, nice. and things yeah it was like a french movement no we'll leave it in this is the part where i learned something that's the whole point <laughs> right like <is> walk away yes. feeling slightly smarter yeah what, yeah. what <laughs> so you've been doing the the music thing producing or, or engineering for quite some time like uh -huh. um any favorite projects or like well this that really stand out this okay. this one today this one this <laughs> one today absolutely because um mm. i'm friends with well um, let me just tell you how this how this whole thing happened this band hadn't played together in a year um they got together for two weeks to write and rehearse and just you know get the covid stress out and right right I, I'm, I'm good friends with one of the members, and I offered to uh, come down. Hey, let me just set up some mics, and we'll capture demos. Um, and I, I brought like a little mobile system and set up mics and captured demos. And toward the end of the second week, you know, they'd only planned on two weeks, and toward like halfway through the second week, like, hey, can you come down, add a few more mics, and we're just going to turn this into the album because we love the way it sounds Ooh. here. And oh, that's so, awesome. So it's cool. truly like the band wrote and rehearsed and refined all these songs and turned them into an album within two weeks 
and that's crazy. Geez. It's crazy to me that, that that they were able to do that and that it turned out so good. Really? Did you did you get to like observe mm. that songwriting process? Like li- kind of li- see some of the stuff happen? A little bit. Like I I came down, uh, set up stuff for like the first two days, um, and as soon as we got everything set up within um i mean i think they had two song ideas within the first hour and a half it was just like hey we, we wow. got skeleton we got skeletons or like big chunks of songs already you know yeah like it was truly like this was truly magic to me to see this kind of come together yeah that's recently i've seen a couple documentaries where they managed to capture on film songwriting as it was occurring yeah and that's just something i feel like i hadn't seen a lot of historically mm-hmm. right and, uh it's so cool to see the like to see the moment in one documentary um judd apatow did a documentary of the abbott brothers yeah. have you seen it no um <laughs> i feel like it might not be your style i did get you like biffy Clyro though that's so true. that's a that's win true. in my book i got that one in my pocket that's true. <laughs> um <laughs> all i had to do was give you a free ticket and get hit by a semi that day <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> um <laughs> it's worth it yeah it was it got joey to the show <laughs> um, <laughs> It's my dying wish. <laughs> oh boy. So, um, yeah. no, but like there's this moment where you see like the song actually just solidify. Like yeah. you literally watch it happen on screen. Um, and, and it, it was just like a, a revelatory moment, right? Like it just like was mind blowing. Um, yeah. To see that thing captured. So I think that's really cool that you were able to be there and see that stuff kind of like. Here's the bones, and a couple days later, because it's different when you're doing it, you're too close to it. But when you can right. like observe it happen, it's so cool. Oh, sure. I mean, but they were putting it together so fast. It's like, all right, cool. Like they didn't even think about it. They're just playing. It's like, oh, cool. That, that's the song. It's like, it, it like the energy, like the, the way these guys locked together so tightly and so immediately after not playing together for. Oh, a year, well, a year or so. Yeah, yeah. It, it is it. Uh, I'm not trying to dig for hints, but is it an no. instrumental band or as a lyricist? Is it like are there is there a vocalist? There's a vocalist. So do like in this instance, I think sometimes the music can kind of come together, and then you're like spending some time trying to figure out like what the story of that song is, or right. did that all come together pretty quickly as well? That, okay, so example, uh, one of these songs came together. And uh, the, the singer's like, hold on, give me five minutes. And he went, sat down on the couch, and came back with the whole song written. Jeez. <laughs> I've only done that, like, twice in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, I mean, I was only there, like, th- apparently this was going on for, like, every, just about every single day. They're, they're cranking stuff yeah. or refining stuff. And it's just like, that's so cool. Holy cow. Well, I we need to divert a little bit probably because I feel like I don't want to I don't want to get you in a, a weird no, spot. No, 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 no. <laughs> I just I'll I'll tell you later. When 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 the uh, we'll release the show when we can publicly say. <laughs> <laughs> well, so it's like black. We're gonna hold yeah. this episode hostage. Oh All right, Joey, you said. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. Uh, what's the like? So you've also done. Uh. You know. 
I know you sometimes work like under uh, NDAs and stuff, and and yeah. so respecting that. But um, I know you've also done some stuff outside of the music world as well, uh, kind of looking at like public podcast space and stuff. Can you talk about that at all, or or is that mm. something you can't talk about uh, either? Oh, I, I I don't have much to talk about there. Oh, unfortunately, really? yeah. So yeah, I was. No, that's uh, cool. Um, I found myself, I, I bartended to pay my bills for a long time, and then I found myself unemployed for a while and tried to get in, into podcasting and just looking at, like, hey, I've got all these skills. Um, how do you make money off of them? Which is, you know, kind of yeah. hard, you know. Well, here, I, I will get at what I was hinting at, and we can oh. cut it if we can't talk about it. But right. um, did anything ever come out of, like, the Cards Against Humanity thing, or can you talk about that at all? Because even if that not oh. going anywhere, it's a cool no, it, story. That never went anywhere, yeah. Wait, yeah. what, what what was it uh, that I? Well, didn't they bring you in to like discuss like setting up a podcast studio that would be like a community space other people could use? Oh no, they were already set up with that with that community space podcast studio. Gotcha, gotcha. So mm. you go to their headquarters. They have like a eight person desk and then a booth, you know, to for everyone to come. Anyone can come in and get big roundtable podcast going. And so I, I was Got trying it. to I was trying to get mm. on with them to be like a staff engineer, but that wasn't a thing. So. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Cool. Bummer. Yeah. Oh, um, well. but speaking of bartending, yes, you did bartend at one of my favorite bars of all time, which was the that arcade bar. Oh yeah, that that was cool. How you were there for a long time? Uh, four years. Four years or so. Yeah. Well, it felt like a long time. Yeah. It, <laughs> it felt like forever. It felt like and eternity. You just walk in, it was just like literally like arcade machines everywhere. Oh yeah, like a dream. It was. It was a lot of fun. It was. A, it was a whole lot of fun. I got really good at pinball. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> there's I'm still... a. If you come back and visit, there's a pinpoint bar here now, or a pin yeah. uh, pinball bar here. We'll oh, have to go and, yeah, and play pin, some pinball. Uh, it's super pin awesome. side, right? Or pinpoint. Pinpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome place in the old. Mm -hmm. I love that place because of its history. Truly. Oh yeah. What well, was JR's? Oh, yeah. I know. I know. I was, yeah. I was like, yeah. this is the first bar I ever snuck into, and now it's an arcade bar, and I, <laughs> I love it here. It was like, that was like the natural uh, progression from the music hall to like the quote unquote mature music scene. So yeah. you're like, this is a real like music scene bar. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No. There's it, so many stories there and bands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, my favorite yeah. thing yeah. Uh, when it moved. When that, when JR's moved next door, they had that poster. The White Stripes played there on nine eleven, which always blows my mind. You know. Yeah, I skipped that show. Yep. Yeah, but you know, mm. just talking about you know history of bands. You know, White Stripes played there, the, and JR's before they were anyone. It was Postal it was, Service played there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's. I loved like Fayetteville had, you know, credit to Fayetteville. They had all these amazing bands come through like before way, way before they ever hit any sort of mainstream stride yeah. and before Credit they, to chris clunk i think who we've called out a couple times hundred like percent that yeah. guy drove it mm -hmm. yeah um and gave i mean all yeah. of us probably some of our first stages yeah definitely definitely uh clunk music hall was the first stage ever played mm -hmm. on that that and jr's so so I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but what took you up to Chicago? Was it music? Uh, finishing school, actually. Um, going back mm. to talking about being in that uh, studio and yeah, um, the uh, the engineers that we worked with they went to Columbia College, 
And so I decided I'm going to check out Columbia College and see what that program is all about because I was really at a point where, like, I don't know what I want to be doing um, and liked Columbia a lot. Um, I have uh, my grandmother used to live up here. Um, uh, I had a couple friends up here, and so it just felt really natural to come to Chicago of all places. And then you just just stayed there. Just I just stayed. I just stayed. Uh, I had a job in my field right out of college. Uh, I was working at a studio called Gravity Studios uh, right as I graduated college, and so um, I stuck around for that. And then, you know, just ended up not leaving. <laughs> so, <laughs> and the next logical step was making your own studio. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, Chicago really is like one of my favorite all-time walk around cities like yeah. i just love hanging out in chicago it's just oh yeah a, it there's something uh like inspiring but also relaxing at the same time somehow for me like um it it's obviously bigger than fayetteville right so it, it feels big city um and but at the same time like i've been there enough that i feel relatively comfortable like kind of like just hanging out around downtown you know like kind of thing right. and so just a different environment good places to eat different architecture so it just has this like inspirational feel but it's also like kind of just pulled out of my daily life at the same time which lets me just kind of like clear my mind you know right yeah i i really big fan of chicago You know, I turned on the radio the other day, and it's beginning to sound a lot like Gishmesh. Oh! Ooh. Have we used that one before? Maybe last year. It's beginning to... I think it was, I, I issue a Merry Christmas. Uh, I issue... <laughs> yeah. But I said Ishmish. Something like that. Why I was so going to see if I could ask yeah. you a question. Oh. What would that question be, Daniel? No, you're supposed to say, why, yes, you could. <laughs> I issue you can. We're using, a, <laughs> we're using like all of our best yeah. ones. Like no, you guys man. are gonna get no ish points for oh, the rest of the no ish points. I no tell you what, puns. send us your favorite ish term. Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah, that yeah. would be good. Why not? Um, seriously, talk to us on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead and start the conversation on Twitter. I may or may not respond. Um, <laughs> With an emoji, Daniel's emoji game is on point, everyone. Or my GIF game is pretty good, Ooh. I think, on Twitter. Yeah, mm-hmm. Chelsea taught me the the, the dark sorcery mm-hmm. of GIFs no. on Twitter, and we've had entire conversations with just stuttery motion capture oh, images. It's funny. It's good. It's yeah. good. It's good. It's great. Um, great. But Wonderful. yeah, find us mm-hmm. on Instagram, mm-hmm. LWID Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, find us on Twitter. Same thing. Yeah. Um, look what I did on Facebook. Yes. But we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to yeah. hear what you're doing. I know a lot of the people that listen to the show are creative, crafty people. Yeah. Um, and so we're probably in that time of year where you're starting to kind of like ramp up the stuff you're making mm-hmm. for your friends, family, or customers, right? Um, so, yeah, absolutely share, post mm-hmm. photos, tag us. Um, we love being part of the conversation. Show us your workspace. Yeah. Or what you're doing. It doesn't matter where it is. That's the thing. We're it's working like, on something. Yeah. Yes, we are. Aaron and I, tell them, tell them. 
uh, cigar box guitars. Yeah, right? we are. Yeah, <laughs> with previous guest Alan Newberry Alan as Newberry. well, who is working on it in the in between spots, which is really getting me. <laughs> yeah, he's probably working on it right now <laughs> as we're recording as, this, as we record this, and as this episode comes out, right? As he's listening <laughs> to this episode, he, so he's working on it twice. Wait a second. He's probably got two. He's got one that's finished and one that he's letting well, us see. Yeah, he's like showing us the like, it's like a Martha Stewart thing. Like, no, here's the pieces, and then he reaches under the counter and pulls Magic out a whole one. Magic cigar box oven. So, Alan Newberry, <laughs> it is 2.17 p.m. on the Sunday before this show airs. Why are you doing this to us? I want to know if you were working on this cigar box guitar at this time. Yeah. And also, I want to know if you're listening to it right this second while you're listening to the show. Exactly. That makes us Alan's side piece. Yeah. That's rude. <gasps> he's cheating. <laughs> if you want to yeah. be our new project friend and work on a project with Aaron and I after social distance is acceptable again, right. or whatever the reverse of that is, mm-hmm. uh, hit us up. We'll figure yeah, out a project we can do. To, we're going to make Alan jealous. Yeah, but we, I can't kick Alan out. So. Oh, I will. But maybe you can just Bye, Felicia. <laughs> oh, that's an audible gif or audible meme. Is that what you're doing now? <laughs> All right, maybe we should well, go back to the show. Let's get um, back to it. I don't yeah. need to get rid of friends. I don't. No, have <laughs> this is a limited roster. To start once again. You from. you spoke for both of us when you shouldn't have. <laughs> All the time. We love you, Alan. Keep coming back. But yep, see you tomorrow. Bring on the other people. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody yeah. uh, for listening to the show. Truly a heartfelt thank you. You guys are what yes. it's all about ultimately at it's the end awesome. of the day, and yeah. uh, you make it a ton of fun for us. Mm-hmm. And why we get to sit here and laugh at each other's really dumb jokes. <laughs> but well, um, hey, if you yes. know, look what I did, mm-hmm. listener. We do actually have a store at lookwhatidid.net, and we do have product. I know because I moved the t-shirts the other day, so (laughs) there's stuff there you can buy. Yeah, Feel free to go there and check it out, and Mm -hmm. rate and review on iTunes. Please. Have we plugged ourselves enough? Do it. Get back to us. Let us know. All right. Chicago has a really storied music history. It does. It, it truly does. Um, you know, going back to like the jazz and blues and, and I mean, in my field, like modern recording was born here in Chicago, actually, with uh, really? Bill Putnam. Yeah, with Bill Putnam at Universal Studio, or Universal Recorders, or Universal Recording, I forget. Yeah, okay. So, How did yeah. How did that come about? Like, what what do you mean by modern recording? Modern recording techniques were pioneered here in Chicago back in the 50s, truly. Um, so, uh, you know, think back to the 50s, you have like chess records and um, I'm blanking on the other big ones. Um, but uh, Bill Putnam owned and ran studios here in Chicago and... Um, some of he, let me backtrack. He owned and ran. Sorry, let me backtrack. He owned and ran studios here in Chicago, and part of that was that uh, you know he, studios back then had to build all their own equipment. You know, like you'd have your electrical engineer build your recording console, um, or you'd have or you know build whatever processor you needed. Um, and he sort of pioneered the way modern consoles are built, um, and pioneered the way a lot of modern. Uh, audio processes are built and like, you know, created designs that we still use today. Um, 
that uh, why well, I'm so tired of blanking today. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you've been recording a band for a long time. It's oh it's yeah, fair. Um, it's all good. Yeah. So he yeah. So Bill Putnam. Um. Oh, why can't I think anymore? Sorry. <laughs> Uh, well, he designed he designed standards that are that are used today. He, yeah, like, did, but was he building equipment that like consoles that went to other studios, or was he just like? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So he he created you know the company which a company which I also happen to work for uh, now uh, Universal Audio. Uh, so Universal yeah. Audio was like the manufacturing wing of consoles and analog processors mm. and things um, for studios that, like I said, we still use and revere today. I didn't know that was a. Uh, Chicago-based company. I feel like your whole life is just a giant happy accident. Like basically, yeah, it is. Oh, this good thing just keeps happening. (laughs) Basically, yeah. Um, kind of. I guess so. Uh, But I'll I'll let you know though that that's all the good things that happen to me are offset by the crippling, unrelenting depression. So, yeah, it seems to be a catch twenty-two, right? Like, uh, no, yeah, I, I think. Every everybody in the creative field struggles with that sooner or later, every time. <laughs> oh, I think so too. It, it may actually made me feel uh, pretty good. I read uh, the autobiography. <clears throat> I read the autobiography of Al Schmidt, who, if you don't know Al, who Al Schmidt I is, I have no idea. Um, cap- uh, he's worked with well everyone, um, uh, Barbara Streisand, uh, Frank Sinatra, Neil Young. Mm. Um, he did Africa by Toto. Maybe, maybe oh, really? Maybe you've heard that song. I've, I've heard of that one. I thought it was by Weezer and Toto yeah. just covered it. <laughs> uh, so I, I just read his autobiography, and there's a there's a moment in there that made me feel pretty good about what I'm doing because he, you know, talked about even still he is like the A list of A list recording engineers still like from the 50s through today and he's like well i hear my things i'm like oh i could have done this better or done that better i'm like oh good like that (laughs) sort of idea that eats at you like oh i made something but it could be better it's like cool i'm not the only one that that has that you know that that happens that's other people too so it was it was comforting i I think you know like the good things just keep happening kind of like it sounds like that from the outside, right? But like to your point, there's there's big peaks and valleys in there. Yeah. But I th- like, you know, every time we talk, it seems like um, another good thing is kind of like coming down the line towards you. But that being said, you've stuck with it mm-hmm. for a really long time and made yourself available for those opportunities. And that's oh, the thing yeah. I think mm-hmm. is inspirational about you is this like perseverance in pursuit of a thing you love. Like, yeah, like like I said, you know, I've had lots of days where I just want to give up on on this and on every and give up in Chicago and give up on whatever I've got and then I I think like well what else do I want to do like I there's nothing else I want to do like I do this because I'm driven to it like an obsession almost like mm. <laughs> there's nothing else I want to be do but want to be doing out there so yeah that's I mean I I think you have to find that. Otherwise, you would you would quit, and then the good stories don't come, right? Right. And it becomes this kind of like, yeah. oh man, nothing good ever happens to me. It's like, well, you got off before the good thing happened. Like you right. got off at exit one and didn't wait for exit ten right. where the good stuff was. You right. know, like. It's... Well, um, that reminds me. Uh, you asked me earlier my favorite session. My let me tell you my second favorite session. Uh, you know the band Local H. Yeah. Uh, I recorded mm-hmm. them on the roof of the Sears Tower. What? 
Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, when was that? That was a couple of years ago for a project that was never released, but uh, it was like a, a marketing thing um, that was just never materialized. But we recorded, we did spend a full day recording bands on the roof. That's really cool. And it's like, how do you, how do you get like, attached to this kind of stuff? Like, I, is it right, is it all just like right. a I know a guy who knows a guy type things? Luck and perseverance, and you know, being being like you're like I'm trying getting to this is being there and being open and sticking with this and then you meet people and opportunities come and you know you take them just yeah. never say no mm. we actually had uh was it mark summerlin do you know mark summerlin you told he me was a guitar player for seal right yeah 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 um he <laughs> i think he was the one who was like i just always said yes like yeah. anytime somebody asked i just said yes yeah. and he goes from being yep. literally a roadie to being the touring stage musician for like five world tours yeah because he just said yes like yeah i can play guitar yeah i can do that mm -hmm. yeah. i can do that you know say yes don't let it i mean you don't have to say yes to everything don't let people push you around or say anything. no to drugs which ones <laughs> Family friendly show. All of them? Yes, all of them. Yes. <laughs> but say yes to musical opportunities. Right, right. Um, don't do drugs. Only do the drugs your doctor gives you, kids. Okay? There, there go. we go. Yeah, that, yeah. that sounded good and parental. <laughs> we can roll with that. <laughs> yes, legal. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Local H is cool. Any. Yeah. Uh, any other surprises you haven't told me about in the past? I mean, we have me, Local H, whoever the mystery band is. Huh? <laughs> uh, Gosh. That's it. Only those three. The only th three things I've done ever. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So you really have like long breaks where you just take sabbaticals and go to India and learn find, to find your Find myself or, you know, <laughs> come back and it, write Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in your experience, like, do you do you have more fun with kind of like a band setup, or are is it more? Um, is there something special about like those intimate kind of singer songwriter sessions? Oh, like, band, band, one hundred percent. You know, every time, every time. I, I will mm. take. I mean, the singer songwriter can be really cool and intimate, uh, and and fun, um, especially if you have good personalities that gel. Um, right. But the energy of having a band all together and recording together is unparalleled and i oh, you know 10 times out of 10 want the band to record as a band you right. know i want everything together you know truly i've i've um i i, I want them as a single unified piece really so so you actually prefer to record the band like all at one time like you're not oh, like a stick of oh, guitar player in a room and i've done that before i've, I've done that before you know many times um but i don't know like after this one where we just did we got the band just rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and then hey they're tight enough you know to to yeah do this it's like oh there's the magic each each take has different energy different pull and like everyone's playing off everyone mm. plays off each other a little bit and you know when you break the band up and just do drums one day and bass one day and guitar one day, then you you lose that energy. Truly, it's just like, all right, cool. We're the only thing we're aiming for here is you know absolute perfect technical perfection. You know, that was, right. you know, with our performances here, and we lose feel and push and pull. 
and things. And, you know, even me, I'm looking at, at the stuff we did. And it's like, oh, I, I want to fix those hits, you know, and just line up, nudge them and line them up. I'm like, no, 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 that, that's what makes it special. That's what makes it that's magic. That's what it is. Yeah. Like, yes, this is, this is not, what it is. Yeah, you're not, like, piecing together a perfect take. You really have to pick, like, well, that's the one we all like the most. And we're yeah. just, like, that's what we have. Because you can't really plug in a guitar part later or fix a drum part later. It is right. what it is. Right. I mean, there's limited things you can mm. kind of do here. But, like, no, just it is what it is. And I like that. And I, and I really like restriction, like self-imposed restriction in the studio. Right. Uh, there's so much software and tools and things. You can spend forever making you know, the most perfect recording ever and use every, you know, tool under the universe, but um, you get distracted and you spend more time choosing plugins or choosing preamps than you do actually <laughs> making music. And so I really, I really prefer, you know, set limitations, set restrictions. Right. You know, it, it feels like it if you sense. limit yourself, you will find more creative ways to get out of, you know, whatever the, you set, you make a box for yourself and then you'll find creative ways to get out of that box. So. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Do bands ever lean on you to, like, push a decision kind of out of a, uh, like, stuck spot? Like, you know, where they start to get a little unsure of, like, which direction to go. And so you become kind of that outside ear that's been a little, you know, you've got some perspective on it. Like, do bands lean on you for that? Sometimes. You know, and I'm. Like I, I really try not to bring my own opinions into the process unless I'm asked. You know, right? Uh, if I hear something, like occasionally be like, "Oh, hey, try try this." I'm, I'm hearing this sort of thing, um, and usually I get a. Well, I mean, even between takes, though, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, like these are two favorite takes, but uh, you know, like this one, I like the drums. This one, the guitar sounds a little better. Like, what right. do you think, Joey? You know, like I can see that being right. A... Well, th that I mean, that's pretty normal. You know, they'll ask for like a right. like a third input or a you know neutral. What would you input. make that decision on? Would the decision be on the drums or the guitar? Which one would you pick? Depends on how it feels. Oh yeah, I, I make all my sidestep that question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tip. Okay, so first, you know, whatever feels better, but really, probably more on the take with the better drums, because you, you can overdub a guitar later. Like you, you could. So yeah, you, but you, you know, you're cheating if you hard. do, but. You know. I feel like drums are maybe maybe one of the hardest sounds to actually. You know, I watch the documentary. I, all I do is watch documentaries, apparently. Um, but about Butch Vig and how uh -huh. his recording studio is all about like the drum sound, uh -huh. and that he kind of got known for that. It, uh -huh. it, do you experience that with drums? Like drums are the thing that you spend the most time miking. Well, that and there's 20 mics on a drum set. It seems well, like yeah. <laughs> uh, so you have to think about this. Um, you think about an instrument in a room and that's the sound you're trying to capture. Like, yeah, you pick up an acoustic guitar and you play it and, you know, the acoustic guitar in the room is what you, is the sound of the acoustic. Or if you're just close miking a guitar amp, you know, that's the sound that you're capturing and it's very easy. Uh, but drums, uh, 
the room changes the instrument, you know, and it, it, it'll mm -hmm. be different in different rooms or, you know, you want to pick up the character of a room to um, really bring out the drums, make it shine. Do you um, have a favorite drum room? Like, ha has there been a space where, like, this was the one? No, I, I don't have a favorite drum room. Not at this time. Um, gotcha. Everyone loves electrical audio, which is Steve Albini's place. Um, and it has a very good sound. It has a very uh, unique sound. And it's actually it's actually really interesting. Um, you can hear different recordings and tell, like, if, if you're trained, if you heard it enough, you can tell where a place, something was recorded from the sound of the room. Yeah. Nope, nope, only you can do that. Literally nobody else can do that. <laughs> like, okay, I, yeah. I now have a new game if you come visit for the holidays ever. <laughs> Joey, what room was oh this my God. Well, Okay, Where so, was this? Yeah. I mean, honestly. Dinners I, are going to be much more exciting. <laughs> oh, sure. Um, <laughs> when something's been recorded at Albini's place, I can tell. I can hear it. It's it's very, to me, it's very obvious. Like, that room has a, crazy. has a very unique sound to it. And I actually, I listened to... Uh, a friend sent me her old album that they did, like, let's say 10 years ago or whatever, and I listened to it, and I was just like, you know, it's on Spotify. There's no credits or anything. And it's like, that's interesting. Hey, uh, where was this recorded? It's like, oh, it's Electrical Room B. It's like, I knew it. Like, it, I, I knew it was, you know, that room. So, Do rooms season over time? You know how, like, an instrument oh. will kind of, like, season over time? Like, do I mean, rooms have to somewhat change, like paint literally gets thicker or tiles in the ceiling start to sag or a piece of furniture moves. I like... mean, yes. Um, yes and mm. no. Uh, some anecdotes for you, just so you know. Um, they used to build, in New York, they would build studios out of old, like, restaurants and stuff. And uh, okay. they'd just put the control room in the kitchen and then, you know, do the live room in the dining area. And they wouldn't even sweep the floors up, you know, because it would change the sound of the room. So some people were superstitious about that. Hmm. Um, some people are so afraid that, like, even getting the dirt out of here will, you know, do that. Will will change the sound. Crazy. Um, what I thought was really interesting is uh, when I was in Los Angeles last time, I went to East West Studios, which uh, used to be Western uh, recorders. Which is where Pet Sounds was recorded. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I so, saw the final tour of that album in oh, its entirety. Cool. cool. Oh, it was so amazing. My daughter slept through the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> True story. I was so. Oh upset. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so at that studio, you walk in and it is super weird and ultra modern looking, and there's these beautiful drapes everywhere, and uh, they have like in floor lighting that's shooting up again on the walls and it's like purple and green and um super weird and modern and then you walk into the recording studios and the live rooms haven't changed at all since 1950 they haven't even <laughs> they haven't even wow. repainted like you walk in there like that is the original paint the original like asbestos tile that was in there when it was a grocery Ooh. store you know like it's like athletes' lucky underwear or something. Like, just don't mess with it. This made magic once. <laughs> exactly. No, that's exactly right. it. So, yeah. Um, well, um, Sound City, right? Like that studio. I mean, just looked like a swamp almost by the end because I think it'd been flooded a couple times. Or that's not the name of the 
Studios in Sound City, but Dave Grohl did the another uh, documentary about the Nevermind Studio. Yep. Oh, really? I think that's where they recorded Nevermind. Um, and I can't remember what the name of the studio was, though. Was it recorded there? It might have been Sound City. Was it? Oh man, it, it, that sounds that sounds familiar. Because he bought the console out of there and like moved oh. it into his garage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's Sound City. But yeah, D- Dave Grohl yeah. bought that old console and, and took it home with him. Yeah, but I think like that studio, like it would flood or whatever when it would rain. Like the the water would just like get up into the floor. If I remember this correctly, and like they just like wouldn't change it because this is like where the magic happened. Like you just oh, have yeah. to leave. Like don't mess with the magic dust. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. There was a studio here in Chicago that um, it's no longer here uh, called Wall to Wall. It was in the basement of this building downtown, and it was. I, the live room was the most amazing live room I've ever seen. It still had shag carpet on the walls uh, all around. Uh, <laughs> it was like three layers. You, you're like, think like a stage, like you'd have like a couple different layers going up. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the control room was up here, like overlooking the whole live room. But down at the, at the bottom of the live room on the lowest layer, they were like, yeah, don't put anything down there directly on the floor because it always floods. So they would have they had like a moat running through it, you know, half the time. Oh, it's but, but I mean, if you think about it, like these studios had to go where they could afford to go, right? And then the ones right. that survived didn't always have a lot of mm-hmm. money coming in, and like right, they, they do kind of fall into this sort of but disrepair. But I think that may be exacerbated by don't repaint that because we'll we'll right we mess uh, up the lucky. Mm. No, 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 I mean, I'm making it too romantic. You are. Um, <laughs> It's you the know, writer in me. If you have a classic room, you're not going to go in there and change it and try to update it. You know, that's, you know, this is the sound. Like, people are going to come to that room for the sound. Like, right. oh, I want pet sounds sound. I'm going to go to that room. You know, I love the sound. Of, and, mm. and what I've learned is people find a lot of um, inspiration from uh, either certain pieces of gear or certain rooms. Like, uh, if we were to go and record a place record in the studio where pet sounds was recorded you'd be on your a game like oh man like here you know this could be the next I one i would probably just fall apart but yeah thank you well, <laughs> no, oh my gosh that's what you that's why the bathrooms have locks on them so you can do that in there and then come back and <laughs> do a good take fair point fair point um <laughs> yeah like i've learned over the years that you know people will will be inspired by Hey, uh, Nirvana recorded on this console. Hey, this is um, mm. the microphone Dave Grohl farted on. You know, hey, this is uh, this is ZZ Top's you know guitar pick slash beard comb. So <laughs> um, they'll find inspiration. Um, it, it, it's, it's such a weird like this whole studio world is so weird and superstitious. You know yeah. about about certain things. Um, mm. I got way off track from the point I was trying to say earlier. Uh, (laughs) Just talk about classic old studios for half an hour. Yeah, right? Uh, Oh, a place not fixing the walls, uh, like letting it sort of get into some state of disrepair. Uh, I don't think that's, you know, sort of neglect or lack of funds. That's just... You know, don't mess with the superstition around here. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like like I said, that East-West place, 
the entire building has been gutted, but they kept like the studios themselves, like sort of like just a perfectly just perfectly like a room within a room. Like they ripped down every other thing except for the studio walls. And then so you walk into this warehouse, you can sort of see like, I don't know how to describe it, like a cubicle sort of building. Like <laughs> like Cube, the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's actually <laughs> kind of what yeah. it's like. You look up and there's, you know, 300 foot ceilings and deadly rooms that's... you're not supposed to go into. Have you, have you ever had uh, the scenario? Because one thing that I think about is like kind of the cool story that comes out of studios is, um, you know, we were recording and X was down the hall and they just swung in and like sat in and even local bands, right? Like, uh-huh. you, have you ever had any of that kind of like, hey, we just brought in this guy to come like play on a whim and sadly, has that occurred or no? No. Uh, and that's. Not that's a really kind of sad part of the music industry is that sort of thing would happen in much larger studio facilities where you have multiple right. rooms all going at the same time. Yeah. Um, so hey, I could be tracking in here and ACDC is down the hall and or whatever, and hey, we're just all, everyone hangs out in the hallways. Um, those facilities don't really exist anymore. Yeah, most most studios are like single room mm-hmm. operations, so there's not anything going on. You know, at the same time, you know, yeah, and you most see, of, most see places. some stuff where recording studios are like a, a a beach house or this barn in the woods somewhere, and like yeah. like these kind of uh, sometimes that like drive to get away and really like clear your head, and I, that would really limit, I guess, the drop in as well. And that seems like a trend over the last few years. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's been a trend. More than the last few years, really, I think, um, as studios have moved away from larger facilities, which are, you know, much, much harder to costly. run. They're yeah. so costly. You know, record mm-hmm. budgets are minuscule now. Um, you know, you can't run a big facility like that. So everyone's going to, everyone has been going to owner operator style places for 20 plus years now, truly. So, but yeah. I think 20, hmm. I think there's a big steep, I f- maybe this is just my perspective, but it felt like there's a big steep dive around 2004, 2006, you know, as more and more large facilities fell off and what you have left are small, lean and mean operations. Yeah. Well, I mean, hmm. I think it was a reaction to a little bit of oversaturation in the music market, right? Like everybody was getting record deals. Everybody was getting signed. Oh, yeah. Everything like, and crazy record deals too, right? Like um, not necessarily beneficial to the artist, but more than oh, like you man. have like, yeah. you know, doghouse records and uh, I can't think of Valiant, right? Like that are giving out like bigger deals than you would imagine they can really have forward but they're also putting out dashboard confessional and all american rejects and like they're kind of having sure. these hits all over the place sure um and a bit of a backlash to that coupled with well now i really can like you know joey can get in the recording game for a fraction of the right the the cost shrinking cost of equipment to get quality yeah. quality things um is unbelievable right now like and it, and it, at the same time, you get the iTunes store, right? So you get dollar right. songs. All of that hits at the same time, that 2005, 2008 period of time, right? right. And, um, I mean, yeah, it's going to – it. Yeah, I think it rocked – it radically changed the music industry 
I don't think ne- necessarily for the worse, but it definitely was a seismic shift in how it had operated. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it's only, I think, just now in the last several years sort of stabilizing again, you know, and try, people are people are figuring out, like, how to make money off music now. You know, now yeah. you, you don't get a big deal. Mm-hmm. You don't get a big advance. You don't get a, a budget to do your record. But your like, t-shirts cost $45. <laughs> <laughs> Which I yeah. will happily pay because your record was ten bucks. You know, like I mean, oh sure, sure, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I, I remember, um, you know, what we were at Hot Topic in two thousand three or two. Oh, or something. you had to bring that up. Well, no, but I mean, like it, it, it. Yes. <laughs> we were at Hot <laughs> Topic. <laughs> it's, um. Hot pocket. Uh, we, were, no, we, like, we were eating hot pockets in the early 2000s. Yeah, but you're living in the nexus of this yeah. music thing happening. And I remember like griping all the time about how bad live shows had gotten in a lot of cases. Oh. Because you're I, signing bands before they'd really played, you know? Right. Um, and then fast forward like whatever, almost 20 years. And I, I feel like the touring world has actually gotten better and more robust. And live shows have really, really gotten good. I fully agree with you. I, I mean, I completely agree with you. Uh, because, you know, back before that shift, bands made the money off the, off their albums. Um, right. You know, hey, we're going to... Victory Records is going to push, you know, the whatever band and, you know, push it off to all the teens and we'll sell tons and tons of CDs. And then suddenly you can't sell CDs anymore, so everyone has to make money uh, in new ways. So we all figured out, like, money is in live. Money is in you know, doing live performances and especially selling merch, you know? Yeah. You know, well, sell- ticket prices kind of climbed a little bit, I think too. Yeah. That also, I mean, I think fairly right. That money's going much more directly to the band than it ever was through a record deal. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> ticket. Master. I think for some bands. Well, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. <clears throat> They're definitely taking a cut, but I mean, I don't know if it's as bad as some of the record <laughs> no, deals. No, were. no, no, no. Yeah. But uh, oh, man. I, I think it did. Go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just remembering like the famously, famously awful deal that uh, Hawthorne Heights got. You heard about this? Uh uh-uh. uh Oh man, they got um on that Ohio's for Lovers, whatever their first one was. They yeah, I don't know. I never listened to Hawthorne Heights. I, I didn't care either. Too just... screamo for me. You emo me too. Kid, me too. <laughs> me too. I only know about this because of. At the time, you know, people were getting big record deals, and they, yeah, it was happening all over the place. As the story goes, they sat and begged. I guess it was Victory. I guess Victory's fallen out of grace, so we can talk, you know, poorly. I over. don't know if they exist. I don't know either. Um, but they sat outside of Victory and begged for a record deal, and they finally gave them, uh, like, arguably the worst record deal you could ever give an artist, like. At like, like actually, uh, consciously, like a big f you to the band. Like you can have a deal. <laughs> you pay us a hundred thousand dollars, and you can be on our label. <laughs> oh yeah, um, like the deal was something terrible like that. So they signed them with this awful deal. The band took it, uh, and uh, they Hawthorne Heights got that hit that was massive, massive, massive hit. Yeah, it did pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. The entire band got paid $5,000. Oh. Wow. 
That's rough. And I mean, yeah. they're not the only ones. No, they're either. not the I only mean, ones. That's a terrible deal. But, you know, yeah. the, the apocryphal TLC mm-hmm. story. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. The wedding had a pretty rough record deal, I think, um, in in some cases, you know, like, yeah. and, and there were uh, a number of bands that I think, like, you know, when somebody comes and offers you what you think is the way to stardom, it's it's hard to say no, and and you don't know what you're looking for either, and you don't always know what all of the verbiage means, you know, and sure. so you just kind of like, <clears throat> well, the, hope the, for the best. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. I think that's you know an interesting point uh, and something that I, uh, as I've grown older, I've kind of learned um, is that being in a band, it's not about you know, I mean, yeah, you want to enjoy being around your bandmates and make music you like and things, but being an artist, being an entertainer, it's a business. End of the day, it's a business, right. and you have to treat your entertainment and your performance and and your your work as a business, you know, through and through. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like like, yeah, we're having fun. Hey, we have a, a super cool job, but this is a business. At the end of the day, you have to hire people. And you have be to fight. Sp- yeah, you have to do your research. You know, yeah. yeah. Well, and be smart about it. Treat it like you're an athlete because you probably most likely have a limited window of viability in the marketplace. Sure. Right? Like very it it really mm-hmm. is a small number of artists that really sustain for a really long time. Um and so I think if you approach it with you know, you can knock vanilla ice all you want. Um but he he at one point stated like I just licensed myself out to everything because I thought it was one hit wonder and why not take all the money and run and like in his instance really not a terrible way to look at it I mean no <laughs> no not at all mm-hmm. um so yeah that's and now smart he that's... does metal covers of Ice Ice Baby and that's kind of <laughs> cool <laughs> And All right. Before I feel like I've kept Joey up for a really long time. No. Before this goes more off the rails. Um, <laughs> speaking Aaron, of rails, what's your, what's your favorite train? My favorite train. Yeah. Speaking of going off the rails, the band train. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's my favorite train? Actually, I took the train from um, I think it's Williams, Arizona, uh-huh. to the Grand Canyon. Uh-huh. And that was one of the coolest train rides I've ever been on in my life. Like on the way up was a, a caboose with a breakfast like area and um it was like kind of a private car and we got to hang out there and eat. And then on the yeah. way back was like a glass dome to sit on top of the train, champagne, and just like ride back through the fields in the sunset with like animals running across the plains. It was amazing. So you, you had a Disney princess moment on the train. I, I did, and I was with uh, my wife who's kind of a real life Disney princess, so Oh. <laughs> it's probably the nicest thing I've said about her on the show. <laughs> um, okay, so Aaron likes to start, or Aaron yeah. likes to finish every every show by uh, starting a sentence that you just finish with whatever comes to mind. Okay. There's no wrong answer. Okay. I wish I could. Ah. Uh, uh... <laughs> You were so confident. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a first and probably the yeah. best. Yeah. Uh go ahead. No, that was it. Oh that, oh, that, that was, was it. I wish I wish I, I could. Oh, I wish I could. Um I wish I could I
you put I'm on, I'm on the spot now. I don't know. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just I'm trying to think how I want to word this. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, We're all friends here in a small international mm-hmm. audience. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish I I wish I could learn everything. I, I wish I knew how to do mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so mm-hmm. what curious about all these different things and like a big problem for me all my life is figuring out like cool you're gonna do this but like no i want to look at this i want to look at this and look at this and i'm i'm very add if you didn't notice you know mm-hmm. but um like i wish i could have the focus to learn all these little things that interest me you know I, i've got a broad i know a lot but i know a little bit about a lot so well but what's what i always find funny and it, when people say something similar to that is but you do have an insane amount of focus for this this thing. So sure. you know, like once you find like where passion and interest mm-hmm. um, line up, well, that doesn't make sense. I guess that's kind of the same thing. But you know it what I mean. Like I think once yeah. you find the thing that yeah, like that just like feeds you the right way, then you're drawn to it magnetically, and it doesn't become a fight to pay attention mm-hmm. to it or focus on it. Just is. Yeah. Yeah, it, but yeah, I agree with you. I'd love to learn everything. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. That's a. I don't know. I can't say that's a shame. You know, of of the human existence, but you know, there's also like so much out there. I'm so curious. I wanted. I want to do things. <laughs> I want to do woodworking. Mm-hmm. I want to build models. I want to you know spend my days as a survivalist in the middle of the Rockies. Uh, hey, Joey, I have good news for you. We have a show that we know of that covers everything creative. <laughs> you really? can at least live vicariously through no. it. Okay. Uh, yep. It's yep. called "Look What Other People Other Than Me Are Doing Did." Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. But sure. Where, yeah. where, where, <laughs> all right. Uh, Joey, I sincerely thank you for carving time out of yeah. what uh, I think has been probably an extremely long week and hanging out with us to do oh, the show. It's my pleasure. On, yeah, thank you. You've been on the list for I mean, since the show started, but we always wanted to go to Chicago and do it. And sure, uh, yeah, we this year was going to be our hopeful year, of starting to hit some of the spots and traveling. And right, um, COVID forced mm-hmm. us to embrace kind of long distance interviews, so we started just kind of like going after the people that we weren't able to meet in person this well year. i think this is mm-hmm. i think it's excellent uh that you're doing this um because and go like going long distance is going to open your doors up to a lot more people uh, oh yeah i i yeah. actually the the person i'm staying with um i tried to get him to come down here and hang out on the podcast but he had to spend time with girlfriend um uh, he owns and runs a tea company out of his house and he's a musician oh, that's really cool yeah so he makes his, he's he, a mad- a magician or a musician? Musician. Oh, he, I thought you said magician. I was like a, a tea company owning magician. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, you yes. live with also, Barney from How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Also, he's he he's oh magic. Gosh. So that's awesome. Magic, well, magic, magic. Well, maybe we'll we'll get his information and get him on the show at some. Point. Oh yeah. <laughs> Before he leaves Cincinnati, convince him to do an episode. <laughs> oh sure. Oh sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, um, I'll have your people call his people. All right. 
So <laughs> now that you have my people's number, that's Aaron's. Um, <laughs> All right, yeah. I'm going to press stop on the record. Okay. Same. Look What I Did is produced by Aaron Dotson and Daniel Quinn. Sound designed by Daniel Quinn. Our digital director is Heather Kelly.